What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of The Underground, where we take you around and then we break it down. All right, so we're back with another episode. I'm Justin. I'm with Dania. And then we're here with another podcast filled with information contributing to your education of the past. Today will be more of a hypothetical podcast. So we brought in Shania to help with today's content, where she'll be providing uh, what she thinks life will look like today if the events of the Reconstruction era went successfully. So say what's up, Shania. Hi. All right. So like I said earlier, we'll be discussing how life will look if the Reconstruction uh, plans went successfully. Um, so Denise going to ask questions. Me and Shania, we're going to provide the answers. Um, so let's get started, Denise. All right, child. So we're going to start off with an important bureau that was happening during this time. The name of this bureau was called the Freemans Bureau. I'm kind of going to give you a little backstory about it before we kind of jump into the topic. You know, that's what I'm here for. So basically, the Freemans Bureau was a support system to provide food, shelter, medical service, and also help with displaced Black people fresh from the Civil War. As you know, that this bureau only lasted for a year, but it also helped many. Despite all the funds and poorly trained people, the bureau operated for only a year. But the Bureau was trying to be saved by Congress and won with a 37 to 10 vote. But at the end, Andrew Johnson, was who was the president at the time, ended up vetoing the bill, which resulted into us using sharecropping. And so, Shania, with us knowing some of the history, how do you think the Fredman's Bureau would look like if it actually survived and how would it have affected today? I think that if the Freemans Bureau had survived and actually prospered, then we would be in a much better situation than we are now because this Bureau was supposed to act as a rehabilitation program for previous slaves. And it didn't work and it failed obviously so because it failed they were just thrown into life as they had never known they were seen as objects as um a means for products they were not seen as people so how could they go from being slaves and working on a slave owner's time to being somewhat of a human i wouldn't say a full human because that's not how they were treated but somewhat of a human and not knowing what to do Um, on top of that I think that if this had survived and actually fulfilled its job I think that we would have bigger businesses better businesses I think we would have idols that look like us people that we can look up to people in our family that we can look up to people that live down the street that we can look up to people in our neighborhood that we can live up to our neighborhoods will prosper because we will have people that go back to when we first were free that had their own businesses because if you look back at black wall street 
they were doing the thing. They had their stuff together, and they were they were making their own neighborhood look just like, if not even better, than what their neighborhoods were looking like. And that shows that we can actually do it if if we work together and put our minds to it. But we're so used to breaking each other down that we can't do that anymore. And the European European people went and they just destroyed Black Wall Street. If they were held accountable and they were taught to respect us and that wouldn't have been done, you know how many Black Wall Streets there would be? It wouldn't just been one Black Wall Street. This would be something that we would see all over. We'd be taking over the world. And I and I say that as in just just prospering, just growing, just building, just working together because um, we would know what the expectation would be. Now we have no set expectation. Our our grandfathers don't have our, all our grandfathers don't have businesses. Don't get me wrong. There are some people that, you know, their family does have businesses, but it's not as known as it should be. You know, the saying support black business, that shouldn't, I'm not saying that shouldn't be a saying, but I'm saying like we shouldn't have to say that because there should be black businesses all over. Do you, do you know we should be looking at corners and seeing businesses? And this could be possible if the Bureau had done what it was supposed to do because we would be able to have something to hand down to our children our children's children but right now because they went and they tore all of that down we had nothing to hand down to our children and nothing to hand down to our children's children except for oppression and we still carry that to we still carry that today we still carry that now our parents don't have nothing to hand down to us because they didn't have nobody to look up to. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And kind of going along with it, um, you know, the Freedoms Bank was actually a part of this program also. And you know that this was a big part of the program. This is actually one of the legs to the chair. And you know, as that started to fail, you can't have a chair with only three legs, you know. And kind of some of the history that is similar to exactly what you just said is people taking accountability. For those of you all who don't know, the Fredman's Bank was a bank that Black people could actually store and save their money at. But unfortunately, due to there being poor management and people not taking accountability and holding up, people were giving out and approving loans that the bank could not give out, causing us to lose $3 million worth of money. Even Frederick Douglass tried to put hope within the bank and gave in a large money to be saved within the bank, but still all being lost. So with this, how do you think that has also affected us in a financial aspect today? You know? Uh, so I think it's obviously, it obviously set us back in a real tangible way, talking about, you know, the loss of money. But I think it also uh, instills some intangibles within our community, like mass distrust for um, banks and things like that, and then economic ignorance in our community, how we don't know how to 
uh, secure loans or establish good credit and things like that. So uh, I just think it all started back then because Reconstruction is really the making or breaking point of the history of black people because that was the transition us being, um, you know, commodities to us being people. So everything that happens during this short time period that we know is Reconstruction is ultra sensitive, ultra important, um, and it just holds a lot more weight than any other part in our history. So when the bank collapsed and um, all these people lost their money, that echoed across generations. And now you see that kind of um, um, that animosity in between banks and black communities you see it today and how like banks like Wells Fargo they come and target um, underprivileged, underprivileged and black communities and try to get them to um, take out these loans knowing full and well that they won't be able to pay it back but that's just preying on that economic ignorance that stems from the distrust in the reconstruction era due to the failure of the Freedmen's Bank. And kind of going along with that and kind of tying in what Shania said, you know, not seeing and not having that influence and plus not having the knowledge or the education about that, that do play a big role in today's society as to why we can't get stuff started and I do also feel like if we were able to sit down and try to teach each other about this or kind of make sure everyone understands and is on the same page about our financial stability and learn the education and how valuable we are when we all come together that could get us a long way Um, kind of going into that in transitional to seeing our value my next question will be how would the military staying in the south benefited black people then and how would it translate today and before you guys answer the question as a lot of people already know the military was there to enforce and make sure slavery was coming to an end so how would them doing that how would that have helped us and helped us learn our values today? Uh, so I think that this would have created a safe environment to actually exist for uh, our ancestors. And if the military was there, they well, we wouldn't have to live in fear. We probably wouldn't have to uh, teach um, black people like our kids and things now. We probably wouldn't have to teach them like a whole different way of living and how you need to watch out for certain groups of people. And we basically wouldn't have to be living defensively in America because the military would have basically ensured that there would be no reason that we need to defend ourselves because they would have, you know, obviously the full strength of the United States military um, protecting black people. So that would be one of the many um, long-term effects. But in the short term, we'll probably save a cool thousand lives um, just from sheer like racial violence and intimidation. And speaking about that, uh, hate groups like the KKK 
uh, or should I say domestic terrorist organizations want it rise and then they want it, you know, be prevalent today because they would have been squished as soon as they tried to get started. Um, bills would have actually been put in place. Black people would have actually been able to vote. They would have made sure that the amendments were held up because, um, you know, amendments on the federal level would be protected by the federal um, military. So I just think the vision for reconstruction would have been actually allowed to happen because um, the only reason it didn't happen is because the Southern Democrats uh, wanted to take back their political power and decided that if they couldn't do it the right way, they were just going to do it through force. And I don't know too many people on this planet who going to uh, impose their will physically over the United States military. Okay. Yes, sir. Shania, do you have anything to add to this? I would also say that it would force um, them to take accountability for their actions. Um, it would force them to know that this is not okay and this is not something that we're willing to stand for. And it would just eliminate the whole, you know, going back and forth thing with the um, us trying to be acknowledges people and them saying no like that would all be eliminated because they know it's not okay they know that we're not going for it they know that we don't even have to try to defend ourselves we don't even have to lift our fingers because we got people that's going to back for us it's so much harder when it's just us trying to defend ourselves knowing how they feel about us knowing that they don't even respect us as a person you know when we try to defend ourselves they probably just laughing they probably say this is a joke they they don't respect us they don't care about us they don't think we're people um had they just stayed where they were well it's not say where they were had they just stayed in the south it would be a whole nother story because they'd, they'd be putting their foot down on this they'd be like oh we're not going for this and because they know oh if i do this i'm gonna get in trouble for it they ain't gonna keep doing it they gonna, they gonna do it a few times and then after they learn their lesson, like ah, oh, they really vouching for them. They really standing up for them. Then they gonna be like, okay, well, well maybe they not so bad because all it takes is one person. All it takes is one person to say, oh, we should stop this. One person say that they tell their friend. They tell their friends' friends, and you know, then it comes around and they like, oh, okay, well we we respect you now. It's not gonna change the previous feelings. Is not going to change anything that happened in the past, and it's not going to change how um, everybody looks at us. But it would it would change a vast majority, and that would make our lives a whole lot easier. Not even just then, but today as well, because the fact that it was okay then, and people teaching their kids like, "Oh, this is what happened then. This is how we used to treat them." Their kids coming up, and they growing up with that same mindset that they that we still not people, that people of color are still not people, and it's and that ideology is still traveling, and it's going to continue to travel, because no matter what we do in the future, somebody is still out there teaching their kids that this not okay, and their whole family, teaching their family members, and teaching their friends, and persuading their friends that, oh, we need to try, that we need to try to stand up, they're getting too powerful, them, them people of color getting too big. They, they, you know, they learning how to respect themselves. They learn how to work together. We really got to do something about this. 
and you know it's it's never gonna um completely fix anything. But if we had that, if we had that vast majority that would vouch for us, and and a big presence such as a military that they had no choice but to obey, then of course life would be so much different for us because we wouldn't have to be fighting for ourselves. And in turn, in turn, to fight for ourselves, we got killed. We got beaten. We were punished for standing up for ourselves. So, if we had somebody standing up for us and we weren't out here getting killed and beaten for fighting for our rights, then, you know, life would be so much different. Right. And if someone I look, the way I see it is that the military stayed in the South during Reconstruction. It would kind of be like when, uh, you know, you and your little sibling get into it and, you know, you bullying and beating them up or whatever, but then your mom coming there and make sure, like, hey, it ain't going to be no more of that. So I just think we would have had that room to develop because we weren't going to be steadily getting attacked. But when Shania was talking about um, it just takes one person, that kind of led into question three. So, Danielle, you want to tell the people what question three is? Um, sure. So, as y'all know, we kind of touched on a lot of different aspects of the Reconstruction and kind of what could have happened, what would have happened. And so, kind of the basic question would be, how might the Reconstruction could have been different if Andrew Johnson did not veto the bills that he did and if black people were to still achieve and how how could they have been shown today um so i think like i said earlier this is the uh most pivotal and most important uh section in the 400 year existence of african americans especially because um, this has to do with the commander-in-chief, the most powerful person in the land. Uh, he's the head, and what he does, his people will follow. So if he doesn't set this precedent that it's okay to reverse and strip the humanity out of this whole group of people, then his people, um, you know, white Americans, they aren't, they aren't going to see this as acceptable. If the president even, not even vouched or was like an activist for black people, but if he was just neutral, he wouldn't even have got um, the South as bad as it was. But it was the fact that he was actively pushing against black people that uh, just made Reconstruction 10 times worse. He actually reversed Special Order 15 which set um, a 30-mile track of land from South, from, Char- from Charleston, South Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida, that was reserved for just black people. Every black family, well, every head of black family um, would possess 40 acres, and it's how we get 40 acres in a mule. But after, like, six months of that, he not only reversed it, but he reversed it while it was already in place. So he took that land back from the people who was out from the black people that was on it, then gave it back to white citizens and then just displaced thousands of people. So if this man didn't actively show his racism and 
made it um, acceptable, then that would have had a domino effect on all the American citizens back then. And we can especially see this today. And we can see, like, how history kind of repeats itself for our most recent president who um, made it okay to not wear masks and say that COVID wasn't real. And now we got 3,000, 300,000 people dead uh, because they was following the commander-in-chief um, precedents. So I think it's just history repeating itself. Mm-hmm. And also kind of going along with that, like you said, history repeats itself. Even with the things that Shania just talked, touched on saying that one person, everybody's going to follow suit. Even with the thing as to say the Capitol. Showing that the president did not care, more people decided to not care. And it was also another thing showing that nobody stood their ground. And at this point, it's important mm-hmm. for us to stand our ground. You know, if the military would have been like, no, tell these people to back up. We're not walking people down the steps. We're not doing all this. You have to treat everybody the same. And that's something that that's really a problem in our system today and back then. You know, mm-hmm. you could really see that. And so another thing is just putting your foot down. You shouldn't have to bow down to the enemy just to get what you want. And I feel like this whole compromise thing that we're trying to come in the middle of, no. Put on your big boy pants and stop trying to compromise at the lowest on black people expense in order to get your way up. Because during the reconstruction, they seen that black people were starting to thrive, were starting to do good. But that was the only real thing that they could sacrifice during this time. And so with that, Shania, is there anything you want to add on to it? I would agree with everything that was previously said. And I would also like to add that um, if he did not go through and not only not veto the um, laws, but if he enforced the laws, that would also force European people to take accountability once again because um, before Johnson, Lincoln was not enforcing these laws. Lincoln was allowing many people of color to die in front of his face and not doing anything about it until he was forced to. So it's kind of like what difference does it make if he vetoes a law that wasn't even being enforced to begin with? That makes no difference. It doesn't change anything for us, and it doesn't do anything for us. It's no point of having a law if you're not going to enforce it. You cannot pick and choose which laws you enforce and which laws you don't enforce. So I don't think that him vetoing the laws did as much damage as the laws not being enforced because it shows that we were a joke. Like, oh, I'm going to tell y'all I'm going to do this, but I'm really not because I really don't care. So it's just saying like how how they seen us. They didn't see us as anything of value or anything of importance because if they did, then they would have respected us. And that, excuse me, they would have enforced these laws. So because they did it, it showed that 
we were just um, jokes to them. They just wanted to keep us happy, keep us smiling on our face, make us think that they appreciated us, make us think that they respected us, and just go on about their day and say, oh, if we give them this little law, we don't got to enforce it, but if we give it to them, there's just a step in their direction. They're going you know, to take that in. They're going to be so happy, and they're going to do whatever they do. But, you know, we wasn't happy with that. That didn't do anything for us because that made no change. So I just think that um, him vetoing laws that weren't enforced didn't do as much damage as I'm not being enforced to begin with because that would have made things so much different. And it would have said they would have been enforced previously. And then he would have went ahead and vetoed them. Then it would have been like, okay, she really vetoed this law. And it would have made a big difference. It's like, dang, he's blatantly racist. But it's like, you know, it wasn't enforced to begin with. So the European don't even see nothing wrong with it because it's like, we wasn't doing it. We didn't care. We wasn't changing. Go ahead and take it mm-hmm. away. Go ahead and veto it. This is what we wanted to begin with. So I think in a way, it was just giving them what they wanted further. But they already had what they wanted. And we already wasn't getting what we wanted. So it really didn't matter. Yes, ma'am. And to lastly add on to that, that that's how you see that history is repeating itself. People don't care. All they need is for their side to say, yep, I don't want to do this. I don't feel like doing this. We don't have to do it. And to hear their leadership role say that, then there it go. And that's how a lot of times today, the leaders have so much power that it's sad. You know, I might write a bill or something, but everybody's opposed to me. They don't give you no opportunity. They don't give you no chance to have your say-so or have your peace. They're going to take you as a joke. And that's exactly how they took the bills and the laws that were made as a joke. And just vetoing them and writing them off, that was the securance of that joke. And we see this today too much, too often. This is a legacy as seeing us as a joke. And, you know, the Reconstruction era holds a lot of power and a lot could have been changed during this time. And so I'm glad we all talked today. And I thank you again for having you, Shania, to let us be able to discuss and sit down and say, hey, what went wrong during this time? What do we need to do different? We know we might not be able to change it overnight, but we can start somewhere. And I thank you for letting us educate our young people on what's going on, what's the history, and how we could change it. So I thank you again for having me. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks, Shania. Thank you, Denise, for being on my race. And I hope you all enjoyed the right. episode. See you guys. Thank you for having no me. No problem. Peace out. Bye. Bye.